Welcome to Decision Vision, a podcast series focusing on critical business decisions. Brought to you by Brady Ware and Company. Brady Ware is a regional, full-service accounting and advisory firm that helps businesses and entrepreneurs make visions a reality. Welcome to Decision Vision, a podcast giving you, the listener, clear vision to make great decisions. In each episode, we discuss the process of decision-making on a different topic from the business owner's or executive's perspective. We aren't necessarily telling you what to do, but we can put you in a position to make an informed decision on your own and understand when you might need help along the way. My name is Mike Blake, and I'm your host for today's program. I'm a director at Brady Ware & Company, a full-service accounting firm based in Dayton, Ohio, with offices in Dayton, Columbus, Ohio, Richmond, Indiana, and Alpharetta, Georgia. My practice specializes in providing fact-based strategic and risk management advice to clients that are buying, selling, or growing the value of companies and intellectual property. Brady Ware is sponsoring this podcast, which is being recorded in Atlanta for social distancing protocols. If you would like to engage with me on social media with my chart of the day and other content, I am on LinkedIn as myself and at Unblakeable on Facebook, Twitter, Clubhouse, and Instagram. If you like this podcast, Please subscribe on your favorite podcast aggregator, and please consider leaving a review of the podcast as well. So today's topic is different from what we normally cover, but I think it's applicable, and I think the story that leads to the topic is so compelling, I think you and our audience are going to enjoy and frankly be inspired uh, by hearing it. But the topic is what should I do after graduating high school? And you might be thinking, well, what, this, uh, this is a, a, a show about executive business decision-making. Why are we talking about the decision process for what an 18-year-old kid should be doing with their life? And, and here's my answer to it. The first answer is, it turns out that some number of listeners out there are actually in high school or high school age or younger, believe it or not. And I know this because they contact me. In fact, I will tell you that um, as a father of a 19-year-old son, I have about as little street cred as you could possibly imagine, right? I can't even do, I can't even do the white man's overbite well. Um, but when he heard that I had a podcast that's up at 30 million downloads and and and, and counting, um, all of a sudden, for a brief moment, there was a glimmer of admiration and respect in his eyes that I'm not sure I'll ever see again. But he is telling me that his friends are listening to the program as well. And, and they say that they look forward to it, and they enjoy it, and they feel like it speaks to them because this is, and for many, in many cases, this is the first time a lot of them are being privy to business kind of conversations as adults rather than as, uh, as uh, teenagers. So, um, you know, to those of you who are in that demographic, you're of course welcome. We love the fact that you're listening. We love the fact that you're taking an interest in business and becoming a better decision maker. And uh, if you're of that age, you are going to face one of the most important decisions of your life, almost unfairly so in terms of what you do with your life um, you know, going forward. Um, you may choose to go to college. And I, you know, I'm becoming increasingly convinced that, that asking 18-year-olds to make decisions as to whether or not they should be taking on a quarter of a million dollars of debt 
I'm not sure that's a position we should be putting kids in. Um, I, I think there needs to be a different model. Um, you may choose, and we're not going to talk about this explicitly today, but you may choose to risk your life serving our country. Um, you know, the, the military has obviously been a, a route for upward mobility for many people. I have two cousins of whom I am just tremendously proud that have, have had distinguished military careers where they've really just accomplished things that I'm not sure they would have necessarily accomplished had the military not given them those opportunities. And maybe we'll cover the military separately in a different episode. We did, we did do one with Jason Jones on the hiring side. Should I hire people with a military background? But, um, but you know, the fact of the matter is, whether you're not at age 18, um, life is going to force some pretty heavy decisions upon you. And uh, I hope that the conversation we have today will at least add a different perspective than you may be getting from whatever advisors that you have. Um, I think also that this show is going to be useful because parents are making an executive decision, if you will, or helping their children make an executive decision. Um, should I go to college? Should I undertake the enormous financial obligation that college entails? Or should I, should I do something else? And it's, it's tough. I can tell you as a parent, again, of a parent of a 19-year-old who has chosen not to go to college, um, at least for the time being, it is, uh, you know, it's, it's a very, it's a very heavy decision. And as parents where many of us, if we're executives, many, not all of us, of course, but many of us grew up in a, in a generation, I'm Gen X, where college was something you just didn't even think about. If you had the opportunity to go, you just went, that's all there was to it. Um, but the world has changed. Um, the economics of college have changed. The psychology of the American teen has changed. The environment, of course, has changed in every way imaginable. The nature of the labor force, as we've gone into a lot of detail over separate several episodes, has changed. So even though this is a little bit off the wall from what we normally talk about, uh, I do believe that you'll find that many of you will find that uh, it holds relevance. If not today, then at some point down the line, when you reach a, uh, a, a later life stage. So with that as a preamble, I hope I've convinced you to hang in there and continue listening because I do think we have an excellent program lined up. And, and joining us today to, to talk about this might be our youngest guest ever, if, if not the youngest, probably in the top three. Um, um, and, and that's a good thing, by the way, is uh, Joseph Lambert of, of Joseph's Junk Removal. And, and uh, as I said, he has a story that um, that I think just sets the table so nicely, I cannot possibly do justice to it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna break from tradition here, and I'm gonna just welcome Joseph to the program and ask Joseph to talk about his background and how did he get from how did he get from his first job as as a kid, as a young teenager or adolescent, into being the founder and CEO of Joseph Junk Joseph's Junk Removal. Joseph, welcome to the program. Hey man, thanks so much for having me on. I just can't echo uh, enough about how important this topic is, which you already laid out. Because you know, for kids coming out of high school at eighteen years old, seventeen years old, you know, they're oftentimes forced to make the decision on what the next four or five years of their life looks like, and that's a lot of time. 
And I'm a firm believer in time is the most valuable currency we have. Um, So there's just a lot that goes into that decision. So, you know, whether you're actually in the midst of making that decision for yourself right now, whether you're a parent or whether you're somebody who, you know, is involved in somebody's life who is going through that decision. This is a topic that can really apply to everybody because everybody has either has to make that decision or can help somebody else make that decision. Um, But as far as my story goes, so I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, oldest of five kids, uh, really, really had it, was very blessed growing up with two, to have two loving parents. But uh, at 12 years old, my, my parents got a divorce and just shook our family, um, created a lot of challenges. Probably one of the most immediate challenges was my mom had to go from a you know, stay-at-home mom to being in the workforce to put food on the table. So for me at 12 years old, just was trying to figure out ways to help. And one of the clear pathways that I saw was just go out and earn money and cover your own expenses. So I started mowing lawns for neighbors. I also started working in construction with a, with a friend. So, you know, I was doing everything I could just to earn as much money as possible, just to, you know, lighten, lighten the burden on my mom. So that was kind of what got me kickstarted into working you know, kind of the idea of entrepreneurship. Um, and really it, it caught my attention. Like even at a young age, I, I loved it. I was, you know, seeking every opportunity to grow and, you know, get more clients. I, I remember it was such a big deal for me just to order business cards. And I spent so long even designing them. I, I didn't, my, we didn't have any lawn equipment. So I had to go out and actually buy all my own lawn equipment. So there was like these lessons that I learned really early on that I think were super helpful. And then as I grew uh a little bit older, you know, I saved up, I, I bought a truck when I was 16 years old. Um, and I went from, you know, just kind of doing things that were within reach, uh, in the neighborhood and sometimes going around with some friends to being able to drive and, you know, get to a lot bigger client base. And then when I was a little bit older in high school, uh, I ended up having a landscaping client who asked me to haul away some items out of, out of her home. And I really, at that point, had not been exposed to the junk removal industry, um, but ended up doing that job for her and really hit a grand slam with it, made about 1600 bucks in four hours. So at that moment, it, the junk removal industry just really caught my attention. I was like, wow, I need to look into this a little bit more because landscaping had frustrated me up to that point because there was just so many moving parts and it was hard to replicate the process over and over and scale it. But with junk removal, I saw, you know, a perfect pathway to just replicating that process and scaling it rather quickly. So like, even at the time I saw, you know, how this could go from one truck to four trucks to 10 trucks. So anyways, started moving into the junk removal side of things, you know, kind of around senior year high school. So in the meantime, I'm working a lot in high in senior year high school, I'm playing football and baseball and those are my two loves, working and playing sports, and really put school on the back burner. So what ended up happening was I ended up actually failing a class my senior year of high school that I needed to graduate. Um, and it ended up being a huge blessing in disguise because I had to stay home what would have been my first semester, my freshman year of college. And I had to finish that class so I could get my diploma. But in the meantime, I was working full-time 50 plus hours a week doing junk removal. And the beauty of it was I was really able to give, you know, all my effort into the junk business at the time. And 
you know, in the course of a couple months made, you know, around $50,000. And I was like, whoa, okay, this is even, you know, better than I thought. So, you know, I was never really opposed to going to college. I just really wanted to run super hard after whatever my my best opportunity was. And after doing junk removal for a semester full time, I realized, wow, this is a great opportunity. I don't want to pass this up. So discussed it with my family. I even, you know, made a PowerPoint presentation. It was like, this is why this is the best option. And I will happily go to college. I'm not trying to, you know, go against the grain, but I need to run hard after this because this is an awesome opportunity. So, you know, they saw the numbers, they saw the track record and were totally supportive of it. So anyways, that was uh, January of 2020 that I'm doing this with them. Um, so, you know, I, I go all in on the junk business after getting my diploma uh, that spring and then COVID hits. And unfortunately, a ton of businesses suffered during COVID but we were super blessed to actually really thrive because everybody was now at home staring at all the junk in their basement and in their closet (laughs) that they didn't want. So my phone was ringing off the hook and I went from just me driving around in a truck and trailer to renting, you know, up up, at one point we had four big U-Haul 26 foot moving trucks that we parked in a Walmart parking lot. And I was stuffing them with every, college and high school buddy I could find. And we were going all over Atlanta, just hauling junk for people. Um, it wasn't perfect. And quite honestly, we really weren't profitable for all of 20, but you know, there was a lot of lessons learned and ultimately, you know, we grew at such a fast rate and that I realized, you know, we have a lot of potential here. This is legit. And I also proved myself that the revenue was there and I just had to figure out how to make the revenue profitable. So basically, you know, we went from doing about $15,000, you know, me by myself in January to that July, we were doing about over 60,000 in revenue. And I'm doing this all at 18 years old. Like I didn't even know it was possible to make $60,000 in a month um, at that age. So anyways, uh, I, I recognized at the time that what we were doing was not profitable. So I basically tore the business back down. We returned all the rental trucks. And we started buying our own trucks and doing a bunch of other things to basically, you know, run our business in a way that would actually make money and make money long term. So that kind of brings us to where we are now about a year later. So, you know, we don't have any rental trucks now. We, we buy all brand new trucks. Um, you know, we've you know, transformed our team, transformed all of our processes, our web presence and everything. Uh, but man, it has been a tremendous learning experience. There's nothing like the school of hard knocks. So super thankful to be where I am today. I I um I think about what I would have done if I'd had sixty thousand dollars a month, as at your age, and it, I probably would have landed in jail somehow. So um, whatever I would have done, it would not have been constructive. So good for you. I mean, I I think that's I think that's a differentiator. Clearly, you have the maturity to kind of handle that and realize the responsibility that comes with that kind of money and presumably now you have employees that are depending on you for their livelihood and so forth. And really just a remarkable responsibility to, um, uh, to, 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 to take on. Um, so let me, let me, gosh, there's so many questions. Let's get just kind of, out of this. So I got to sort of take a deep breath here and go back into this, my own script here. Um, you, you, you started the business, you chose to do it. You're sticking with it. Am, am I right? Am I, do you agree with me or not agree with me? Either one is fine. I'm not going to like stop the program or anything. 
But it seems to me that college isn't the obvious path that it once was, right? I think times have changed. And, and you know, do you find like among your peers, it's not just sort of college or bust anymore. It's sort of like graduation and, and then college, maybe college, maybe later or just something else. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. And I'd love to div- dive into that one. So I went to a small Christian school and uh, I had a super close knit group of guys in high school. And what I thought was so cool is, you know, everybody before us, everybody went to college before our grade. And our grade was the first one where we really broke that mold. Um, I think the majority of everybody still went to college, but there was probably at least five or six guys who did not go to college. So I was one of them. There was another guy who actually started a landscaping company, still doing so right now and running it rather successfully. And there was a couple other guys who did the same thing. So I don't by any means think college is a bad option when it's used properly. Um, I think what's hard for me nowadays is, you know, I think for so many kids, college is the only option. I, you know, grew up around Kennesaw State University. So even while I wasn't in college, I, I knew a lot of guys that were students there. And there was a lot of guys who had tremendous potential who really didn't need to go to college, but they just weren't presented with anything else. So my goal is to really speak into a lot of young high school guys and say, hey, there is other options. You know, you just need to do what's best for you once you've seen all there is to offer. Um, so so uh, if, if, you, if you could, what, what, are your, what are your peers doing that chose not to go to college? What other paths are they taking? Any, are any entrepreneurs like you? Are they going to trade school? Are they doing something else? Yeah. So there's a couple of them. So, and they're not all successful by the way. So there's me, um, I've got my buddy who is, who's a, runs a landscaping business. Who's, you know, doing great. Um, I've got another buddy who went to trade school to be a welder. So I don't think he's finished school yet, but you know, as soon as he gets out of school, he's going to have, you know, his choice of jobs and be employed for the rest of his life. Um, You know, there's some other guys who just kind of aren't going anywhere in life who I think, kind of tried, followed suit. They didn't really want to go to school, so they thought they could make it without it, um, but really aren't don't have any direction. It's not for a lack of skill. It's for a lack of effort. Um, there's one or two other guys who are working for other people, but doing a really, you know, still knocking it out of the park. So, you know, you don't have to necessarily go out and be an entrepreneur and start your own business to be successful outside of college. Um, and this kind of is getting into another topic, but I think the key is just having a plan and a goal, regardless of what you're going to do. So, you know, if you're going to college to be a doctor, well, okay, let's make a plan. What kind of doctor are you going to be? And let's, let's go for it. And let's, you know, work at it with all of our might. If you're going to get a job, we'll go work for somebody where there's, you know, a runway where you can, you know, really move up and learn things and get better. You're going to start a business, you know, let's make a plan. Let's do it. But, you know, don't hover in that ground of like, I don't know what I want to do. That should be the, be the path. So let me ask this. Do you, do you, how much does, how much do the economics of college do you think play into the decision now of people of your age, your generation? And, and I want to contrast that with, with my generation where, you know, you just went to college and it was just assumed that it would be a good investment. Um, even if you didn't necessarily get a, a practical major, right? Even if you're a literature major or basket weaving, whatever, right? You had a degree that was going to set you up. And I kind of look at the landscape today and I, I just, 
I think that conversation has changed, but you're kind of in it at that age group. What do you see? Yeah. So I think we need to look more long-term. Let's look at this as a 10-year decision and not as a four-year and five-year decision or not even like a now decision. That's a really bad idea. So let's take, let's look at the 10 year college decision. If you're going to college to be a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, first of all, you're not going to get into any of those fields without going to college first. And due to the, you know, compensation for those type of jobs, it makes sense to go to college and possibly take on some debt to get to that end goal, having that position. However, if you're going for a business management degree, um, I would say you're wasting your time and your money royally because you can go and work for somebody and learn how they manage or learn how they, you know, don't manage well. And then you can, you know, move up and do it yourself. Um, So it just really depends on what you're going for, I think. So let me, I want to pause on that because I think you bring up a very interesting point about, you know, undergraduate business administration degrees. Um, And I'm, I'm, uh, I don't. While I don't totally agree with your with your statement, I'm certainly very sympathetic to it, and I I think there's a lot to agree with there. Um, but what about and have you have you ever taken uh, like online courses, the Udemy's of the world, for example, or or others to find the education if you needed any or training that it didn't make sense to go get a degree for? I have, I have, and um, I'm, how is it? How's your experience with that? So my, my general experience with <clears throat> learning is <clears throat> it, it depends on what kind of class you're taking. So I'm not a big fan of big time, big overview courses okay. Okay? Um, that are just going to inform like large. I don't know. I just feel like they're not giving you a whole lot of, you know, content to actually use practically. Nevertheless, I have to learn a tremendous amount for my job today. So the approach I take is, I think, just a lot more efficient in the sense that when I need to learn something, I go learn everything there is to know about, you know, what I need to use it for versus going and learning a bunch of information that, you know, I may never use. Um, so, you know, I think if you're learning like, 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 let's take, for example, if you're starting a business and you know, okay, in order to start a business, I'm going to need to know how QuickBooks work. I'm going to need to know how accounting works. So go take three accounting classes. I think that's a brilliant use of your time, but do you need to go to college for four years to figure that out? I don't think so. So you bring up what I think is a, is a, a an interesting distinction. I'm, I'm curious if you agree. And I see this in my son, and here's his peer group too. They are much less inter- interested in being what we call would call educated, and are much more interested in being trained. Right, and the difference being, you know, education implies a well-rounded, Renaissance person kind of education. You have you know, you have a lot of kind of required core courses because the institution wants you to be a well-rounded education individual, right? But he tells me, look, I, I, this is great, but I don't want to learn French. I don't plan on doing business in France or Quebec. And by the time I'm, by the time I'm rich, I'll just hire a translator. Right? Um, uh, but he, but they are interested in, Hey, here's something that I can learn how to do. Could be graphic design, could be using a software package or accounting, for example, I can I can learn about and then walk right out of right out of the video and then start to apply in something that actually matters to me materially. Is that is that does that sort of sync up with your thought process as well, or am I am I way off base? Totally, and I think there's guys, um, you know, older guys who would 
I, I think agree with my, my standpoint and I, I fall back on what Warren Buffett talks about. I mean, you know, we, we all know Warren Buffett's brilliant, but he's said, you know, multiple times, like I'm really, you know, not that well-rounded of a person. He said, I just picked one thing and became the best at it um, and learned everything there was to know about it. And that's why I'm super successful. So, you know, I, I apply the same thing with junk removal. Like, you know, I'm not trying to learn every business there is out there. I'm just trying to be the best, you know, junk removal business owner out there. And if I'm the best at it, then my business will be the most successful. Um, so I take that general approach to learning in general. I'm not just out there to, you know, learn as much, you know, I guess content as possible, but what can I just zero in on and be the best at it? And I think there's a lot of, you know, kids today who are, I think, trending towards that direction. Well, yeah. And, and, and I'm, uh, frankly, I'm very sympathetic to it, right? You, you can't, you just cannot look at education anymore unless you're, um, unless you're just independently wealthy already. Most people cannot, and I think should not look at education as something that you do for its own sake, but has to be analyzed as a business investment. Um, otherwise it kind of gets you, it gets you into trouble and we're seeing millions of people that I think didn't take that approach and now they're experiencing real financial difficulty and that's prompting a very fundamental question right now about how education should be financed. Um, but that's a separate issue. I want to, there's a question I want to make sure to ask you. And, and that is um, putting aside how it impacted your business. Cause you, you said that the pandemic was probably a net positive. Um, but I wonder, I wonder if the pandemic and the way the job market now has shaped up after the pandemic, does that give, does that provide more opportunities to high school graduates than the world looked like before the pandemic, right? Because we have a general labor shortage, there's shortage of everything, right? And, and we're, and there's disruption. And I, my own personal belief is wherever there's disruption, there's opportunity. Um, is this providing an opportunity opportunity because employers and customers are having to think about or having to rethink, what they think qualifies other people to, to work with them or be their providers. Absolutely. I mean, you hit the nail on the head because there is tremendous desperation right now. I mean, even in my own business, we're having trouble with staffing like everybody else is. So there are opportunities for young individuals that previously just weren't available to them simply because of their age. So I truly think it is a golden opportunity right now to really go get some awesome experience that probably wasn't available before and probably won't be available, you know, in years to come. So did, did you have any kind of opportunity to dip your toe into business? I mean, you had your business, obviously, but what I mean is um, some schools will have business classes. Some schools will have an entrepreneurship club, something like that. Did, did your school have anything like that? And if so, did that, how did that help you or not help you? Yeah. So there's two kind of a two-part answer to that question. First of all, we did have a business law class, which I think was helpful. Um, <laughs> in that class, actually, we had an entrepreneurship project where we had to start a business on paper and ended up, I was sitting next to my buddy, Sam, who now runs the landscaping business I told you about <laughs> earlier. And he was about a year and a half older than me. 
So after like making this landscaping business on paper, we looked at each other and was like, why don't we actually do this? So sure enough, we started it. I was 15. He was 16. He had a car. I didn't. So we ran a business together at, you know, 15 and 16. You know, I was great at marketing and talking to people and he had the car and was, you know, could work circles around anybody. So we were a great, you know, team for about a year. So that was helpful. Um, But I think the biggest, you know, benefit I've had in my life kind of in that realm would just be some awesome mentors. So I had a mentor in high school who was a Georgia tech grad entrepreneur at the time um, who was incredibly influential in my life. I mean, we'd pick up any call. We talked through every business idea I had talked through his own business ideas. So he taught me a lot about how to think as an entrepreneur and as a business owner. And then more recently um, started meeting with a, a new mentor of mine a little over a year ago. Um, who's the president of Thrive Senior Living, um, large senior living company in this on the, I guess on the whole East Coast. So, anyways, learning from those two guys has been tremendous. Probably the best way to describe it is just they've turned years into months um, just by sharing all their experience. So that's been incredibly helpful. I, you know, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to I wanted to have this dis- discussion about mentors. Um, even though mentors have been getting a lot of attention, I think, and well-deserved, I still think they're a little, they're a little underrated. Um, I haven't had many mentors in my career, just the way things turned out, but early in my career I did. And, you know, they laid the groundwork for some things that still impact me and impact the way that I work, you know, almost 30 years later. Um, tell me, tell me a little bit more about your mentors. How did you, how did you find them? How'd they find you? And what do you think was it about you or what you're doing that made them want to invest their time and energy in your success? Oh, okay. Yeah. Great question. So first of all, my whole philosophy was number one, I can learn something from anybody. And number two, I'm going to go and ask every successful person I know out to breakfast, coffee, or lunch. So really all throughout high school, I was constantly asking guys, Hey, would you go grab lunch with me? Would you go grab breakfast with me? I don't care what time it is. Just can I get an hour of your time? And very few of those, really only two of those ended up actually being mentors. A lot of them we met for breakfast or lunch, you know, once or twice. And, you know, that was it. But I think I learned a tremendous amount from each of them. And I also, I learned how to ask questions, um, how to ask about their story. Um, and I think just to garner little bits and pieces from each one of them that kind of built who I am today. Um, and these guys, like when you get the good ones, their time is incredibly valuable. So like they really have to be sought out and pursued. They're not going to come knock on your door, especially a young guy. But I think the reason why, you know, the, the, the two main guys ended up really being willing to invest in me is they saw I was hungry, number one, um, because I continue to pursue them. And then number two, direct application. So um, the, the latest one, something he, he said he appreciated later on was he was like, you know, a lot of times you apply stuff that we talk about in like three hours or less. And I was like, you know, I, yeah, that's one of my goals actually. So, um, one thing for these guys is because their time is so valuable, they want to know that they're using it effectively. So if they're sharing things with you and then you go right away and apply it, and they know they're impacting things, man, they just want to keep feeding that. So, um, yeah, I think just really seeking these guys out 
asking their story, asking, you know, for their advice on things. And then when they tell you something, not just, you know, letting it go one in one ear, not the other, but going and doing it. And, and, you know, I, I, I speculate that this is actually a benefit of youth. I, I think that there's more enthusiasm to mentor people as young as you are versus people that are somewhat older. I'm, really, you know, I'm, I'm 51. Nobody's, nobody's going to mentor me. They're like, what do you want to mentor? You should be the mentoring person. Right. Um, and, but, you know, I, I do think that, you know, if, if I'm approached somebody like you, that is, is focused, is very young, is clearly, you know, focused on being a high achiever that's an easy person to say yes to because you can just imagine kind of what the trajectory looks like over a 30 year or 50 year period with that mentoring. And, uh, you know, I would just point out to the audience that it, while it may seem daunting to get mentors, um, on the same token, I do think that people like me in terms of age and seniority, I think, I think we are actually more inclined to mentor people that are younger because we see a better, a bigger impact and, and the youth in itself is is, uh, inspiring. Yeah. If I could add one more thing too, one of my rules that, you know, I hope to live out the rest of my life is always be learning from people 30 years or older than you. Um, And for me, I didn't start out just trying to go find mentors. I just wanted to learn from guys, even if it was one breakfast or lunch. So I started really small just trying to learn from those small bits. And then it ended up, you know, a couple of them ended up turning into these long-term relationships. So, you know, to any of our listeners, like who, who say, Hey, I, I would love a mentor. You know, I, I wouldn't start out with that being your goal. Just start asking successful people in whatever area of life, whether it be as a business person, you know, a husband, a father, whatever it looks like, ask them out, ask them how they do it. And then maybe that'll turn into a long-term relationship. So. Um... Another question I, I want to ask, and and this may this may reveal my curmudgeonliness, but that's that's okay. If if it is, you can smack me down. That's okay. I won't take offense. But it it's it's been commented on quite a bit, and I think I see this that I, I think it's I think it's harder for young people to be focused and really concentrated on a goal today, simply because I think there are more opportunities for distraction. Um, and, and assuming you agree with that, you seem to have managed to avoid that, right? You're clearly a very focused person. Um, you have specific goals in mind. You sound like no nonsense If this is not contributing to my goal. I'm not interested, which I I think is, I think is fantastic. Um, is that true? And, and how did you come by that? And is there any lesson from that? is there any lesson from that that you can impart on our audience either as parents to help our children with, or again, people maybe slightly younger than you in terms of how to gain that focus that seems to be serving you so well? Yeah. So I think what it really starts with is defining your priorities or your roles in life. So for me, I have three real roles. Um, number one is my, my family. So, you know, spending time with them. Number two is just being a part of my church. And number three is, you know, running my business. So really I look throughout the course of my life. um, If my tasks throughout the day don't fall into one of those three buckets, then it's really not important. So I'm going to make sure I do those three things really, really, really well. 
and then everything else is secondary. So, you know, nothing that's contributing to that, I'm not going to worry about it. So I think that's where you got to start because there's so many things that are competing for our time and attention um, that sometimes it's hard to decide what's actually important. So once you figure out, okay, what's actually important, I think that'll help you help people filter through, you know, what that actually looks like. Then you can get to the point of actually setting goals for those specific roles that you have. So like, you know, a, a goal for, you know, me with my family is, you know, I've got four younger siblings who all play sports and my goal was to not miss any of their games. So, you know, like for this fall semester, uh, I think I, I only missed one game for each sibling. And uh, one time it was because I was at another cousin's game. And the other time I was you know doing a church serving opportunity. So, you know, I, I think setting those specific goals for those roles is really helpful. And then I don't think expecting perfection either. Um, you know, as humans, we're all fallen and we're all going to fail at some point. So just the important part is learning from those failures and, you know, making the appropriate, you know, um, putting the things in place to not let it happen again. Um, but yeah, setting, so knowing what those roles are, setting the goals for those roles, and then, you know, not expecting perfection necessarily. I'm, I'm curious about something. And that is that you're now in a position of, of authority and you're in a position now where there are people that want to sell stuff to you as a B2B business, right? You're a business owner, an executive decision maker. Now you're, you're all, I'm not going to ask your specific age, but you know, you're, you're in your late teens, your early twenties. You're not that far removed from socially having to refer to everybody as Mr. And Ms. And Mrs. And so forth. Yeah. And, and, and now you're in a, you're in a, not only a peer relationship, but in some cases you're in a position of authority over people who might be significantly older than you. And I'm curious, is that a hard decision to make a hard, sorry, hard transition to make? And do you ever feel like you have to struggle with, with commanding the respect that you deserve because people look at your age and then assume certain things? Yeah, I would say it's always the challenge, but I'm going to start with the, you know, assumption on my end that, you know, I don't think anybody owes me anything. So I don't necessarily <laughs> expect respect from anybody if I haven't already earned it. So, you know, I think this depends on what setting, you know, you're in. There's certainly still people in my life that I call Mr. and Mrs. just because that's what I've called them for the last decade. Yep. Um, but like, you know, in regards to like people that I have authority over from a professional standpoint, like, you know, I'll go ahead and tell you I'm 20. I've got somebody on my staff who's 40 and somebody who's 60. So that right there is two times and three times my age. Um, and I think, you know, that standpoint, we respect each other for the different roles we're at in the company. Um, but then again, like something I emphasize to my team all the time is, you know, we're all in this together. We just have different roles. So your role may be truck team member. Your role may be, you know, customer care representative. And my role, role may be chief decision maker. But we're all here to you know, make this company successful and earn a paycheck. Um, and the question is, how do we do this best together? You know, I, I'm not trying to let my ego or their ego get in the way of, you know, what we actually need to do to get things done. So um, when, when, you, when you chose the entrepreneurial path, were you looking at all at other entrepreneurs who've been very successful despite not 
going to college, either they, they didn't go right away or they dropped out early. You know, one of my favorites is Dave Thomas, who founded Wendy's. You know, he had a high school education and obviously built a very successful restaurant business. There's, of course, the Bill Gates and the Mark Zuckerbergs that, that, that dropped out of college and so forth. Were, were people like that at all a role model to you or were they just in such a different world that um, it didn't, didn't really connect? I mean, I would say yes. You know, we've all heard about like the, you know, um, oh, the guy who started Microsoft. Can't believe Bill Gates. Yeah, Bill Gates of the world. Um, you know, and so many other guys who didn't go to college or dropped out of college. So, I think them setting a precedent helped me realize, yeah, like this is possible. Um, but you know, I also really relied on people around me. I was asking them, like, hey, you think this is a good idea? Let's talk through this. I wasn't trying to trust my very young and undeveloped brain to make all the decisions or at least inform all the decisions. So we hear frequently, and I'm not sure how good this advice is, but, but it's certainly out there. We're told frequently that whatever you do in business, you should have a passion for it. Um, not everybody necessarily agrees with that, but that's, that's certainly a widely held view. And my my question is really two part. One, in getting into your business, did you have a passion for junk removal? Right? Do you feel like like God put you on this planet to do that in in service to your fellow man, or is it more of a means to an end? And 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 but if you did that, you know how how does somebody at your age figure out what they're even passionate about? Right? That's just that that's so rare when you have so little life experience to even, I think, even begin to answer that question intelligently. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, let me start by saying this is still something I'm learning and I don't think I'll ever fully figure it out. But I think the key to what you just said is, you know, what is it that you're passionate about? And it, I think, is very rarely going to be the industry you're in. Um, hmm. It could be a variety of different things. So, um, you know, what I start by asking people, because we've discussed this question a bit, is what gets you excited? Okay, that's a good start to figure out what you're passionate about. So for me personally, I'm passionate about people. I love com- you know, conversation. I love teaching. Uh, I love just caring for people. So, so one of my favorite things to do with my team is you know, I do one-on-ones with you know, a couple leaders on my team. So what that means is we, you know, get up at, we meet at 6 a.m. at Starbucks. Um, we have a little agenda we go through. Um, we go, we're going through books together and we're just learning and we're talking about like life. That is what I'm truly passionate about. So my business is a vehicle for me to do that as well as many other things. Um, but I think the flip side of this question is a lot of people can, I think, you know, bar themselves off from some great opportunities because on the outset, they don't feel like they're passionate about it. But what they're probably really not telling themselves is it's just not comfortable with what they're doing. There's a big difference in being comfortable and being passionate because, you know, you may be passionate about something or you may not be passionate, but it may be really uncomfortable. And if we're going to really be successful or high achieving in any way, shape or form, you have to be really okay doing really uncomfortable stuff. Um, So for me, like when I was, you know, just me and a truck with one other guy, like I didn't fully articulate that, oh, I'm passionate about people. Um, I just thought, you know, junk removal is a great opportunity and it'll lead to my next opportunity. 
Um, so that's kind of really the, the thought train that it looked like for me. Um, but, you know, I think definitely thinking about what you're, what you're passionate about is, is, is good, um, but it definitely should not be the governing, um, you know, factor in your decision. We're talking with Joseph Lambert of Joseph's Junk Removal, and the topic is, what should I do after graduating high school? And um, so I want, I want to flip the conversation a little bit, because I do suspect that there are parents who are listening to this conversation, and frankly, they're probably blown away by you, Joseph. I know I, know I am. Um, I feel like I need to retire right now and sort of get the heck out of your way, but um, um, as a parent, yeah, actually, I'm going to phrase this a little bit differently. So, uh, you know, you originally went to work because you had to supplement your income for your mom, who's now became a single working mom. How, if at all, was she supportive of you in preparing you for this path? Was she supportive? I, I know she said she was supportive of your, of your decision, but and and I don't know what your relationship with your father with, with your father was after. But I'm just going to ask this very generically. You know, as a parent. Um, were, were your parents able to kind of help encourage you, prepare you for this path? And whether that's the case or not, if another parent were to ask you for advice, how, how could a parent be constructive in, in helping their child who might be considering taking this path? Yeah. So first of all, they were very supportive. And I think what they're, you know, what they were telling me the whole time was you need to have a plan. We need to think this through, but it's not like there's a path that you have to take. So what they didn't want to see was they didn't want to see Joseph just going kind of, you know, scatterbrained into life with no idea what he's doing. Um, But as long as I had a plan and it was realistic, they were going to come behind me completely. And I think that is what, you know, a lot of parents, you know, I would encourage them to do for their kids today, encourage the process, not the results. So, you know, the results may be get a job, go to college, start a business. Okay. Really the results don't matter because every kid is different. Every kid has different hopes and dreams and passions. Okay. But if you can encourage certain processes in them, like, you know, time management, like goal setting, um, like, you know, social skills, communication skills, writing skills, um, self-discipline, whatever, you know, all those together, encourage those processes. That's what's going to create the kind of person who can be successful in whatever they're doing. And by the way, success can be defined is, is so much broader than anything financial. It could be, you know, they're just super successful as, you know, a stay-at-home mom. Like there's some awesome stay-at-home moms I know and, you know, just who are amazing at it. Um, so that it can take a variety of different forms, but I think, you know, setting those processes um, and encouraging those versus the results would probably be my biggest two cents. Now, in the time we have left, we haven't we haven't really talked about one potential decision path here, and that is trade school. Um, and I know that's not a path that you've taken, but I'm curious if you have a view as to as to the value of trade school as an alternative to starting a business, getting a job, or or or, or going to college. Um, you know, are, are you, are you a fan of that? Not a fan? How, how do you see your peers kind of looking at trade school? What, what's your general impression of that path? I think it's an absolutely phenomenal option. So quick stat for you here. Um, 
the majority of HVAC technicians right now are in their 50s. So over the next 10 years, if we follow current trends for every 10 HVAC technicians that retire, you're going to have one technician coming into the workspace. So right there, there's just tremendous opportunity because salaries are going to go up and there's going to be a ton of demand for just things to get fixed. Um, So whether it be HVAC, welding, plumbing, or a variety of other industries, I think there is tremendous potential um, to do it and really just provide a great, you know, living for your family and just a great foundation because there are certain things that are just always going to have to be done, you know, welding, fixing your air conditioner. Um, I don't think robots are taking over those roles anytime soon. So, you know, honestly, like if we even look at these, you know, three options, going to college, getting a job or starting a business, and we look at, you know, ideally what, which category would, you know, consume the most people. I would love to see more people going into the trades than any others because there's just so much opportunity there and it's stuff that's always going to be needed. So I would definitely encourage anybody that's considering it um, to go for it. Yeah, I would agree with you. I, I don't, I don't see those, those roles being roboticized anytime soon. And, you know, when you, when you look at the, or analyze the, the expense of a trade education or trade training, Versus the tuition, right? The ROI is just, it's much more obvious, isn't it? Oh, totally. Um, so you know, get, getting into that, I want to follow this up a little bit before we let you go, because I do want to give this at least a little bit of this fair due. Um, uh, you know, you think, thinking about, thinking about kids who are, I shouldn't say kids, think about young adults that are, are graduating and they're going to go directly into the labor force how important is is it in your mind that they take the kind of job where they can then kind of they can learn something observe something that they'll take with them through the rest of their lives as opposed to just getting a job for the sake of having a job i think it's incredibly important so let's put it let's put it this way whatever job you get from 18 to 22, 23 years old, from a financial standpoint, it's more or less irrelevant because you're really not going to make that much money anyways. So you're just figuring out a way to put food on the table and gas in your car. So whatever else you're getting from that role is really going to be what's important, whether it be you learning something, whether it be you developing a reputation with a company or just in the work field in general, um, that's what's going to have the lasting effect not the actual money you earn in that time. So, you know, I would even go as far as to say, if you've got two opportunities and you've got one that, you know, is a great opportunity from the perspective of a, you know, learning opportunity, but maybe less pay versus a little bit higher pay for not as much as a learning opportunity. I take the one with the learning opportunity and less pay because that's going to set you up much better for the next 10 to 20 years um, than with the other option. Now you are in a position I don't want to say fortunate, but I, I think you were in something of a minority position where you had a really clear idea of what you wanted to do when you graduated. Um, not, not everybody your age, I think, has that or even thinks that they have it. And so if somebody's in that situation, where do you think they're better off kind of waiting until they do figure out or whatnot? That's the wrong question. What what in your mind is a good environment for people to help help them figure that out? Is it 
school of some kind? Is it getting a job until you figure it out, see how the work world works? Is it traveling the globe in a backpack and meeting Sherpas in Nepal? Is it something else? You know, in your mind, in your mind, if you're not quite, if you're not there yet, what's the best way to use that time constructively until you do figure out what direction you want to pursue? Yeah, great question. Using the time constructively, like you just said, is the key to that because everybody has something sitting in front of them that they can either choose to, you know, go about it in a very mediocre way, or they can absolutely crush it and do it with everything they got. So I think the key is just whatever's in front of you, do it to the best of your ability and try to be the best at it, regardless of what that is. And then on top of that, always be thinking 10 years down the road. So even when I graduated high school, you know, I was thinking far enough down the road to see, okay, this could be something big, but I didn't know it was going to be something big. I didn't know that I wasn't going to find a better idea three months down the road and go with that. So it wasn't like I knew from the get-go, I'm going to do junk removal for the next five years. I mean, I still don't know that. I'm two years into it. Um, But I think the key is just, you know, really crushing what's in front of you and then having the end goal in mind. And usually, you know, you're going to figure stuff out in between there that you had no idea about before um, that's going to, I think, inform your path as you go. Um, Joseph, this has been a really a fantastic conversation. You've got, you've got so many, so much wisdom to share here, really candidly beyond your years. I'm not sucking up to you. I just, I just think it's a, it's, it's really a fascinating, really profound conversation that I, I'm really glad we decided to do this podcast. I'm grateful that you decided uh, to, to come on. Um, there are, there are definitely topics that we could have explored, but didn't, or maybe questions we could have gone into more depth, but didn't, if somebody wants to follow up and maybe ask you either as a parent or as a, as a graduating, uh, young adult, uh, to follow up on something regarding this conversation, can they do so? And if so, what's the best way to contact you? Yeah, absolutely. So you can just email me, joseph at josephsjunkremoval.com. But actually, I started using the Marco Polo app recently, and I absolutely love it. So if you are interested in like, you know, mess or I guess videoing me through there is the new thing now, um, just search, put my email in there, joseph at josephsjunkremoval.com. I'd love to chat with you. Um, You know, let's talk. That's going to wrap it up for today's program. I'd like to thank Joseph Lambert so much for sharing his expertise with us. We'll be exploring a new topic each week. So please tune in so that when you're faced with your next business decision, you have clear vision when making it. If you enjoy these podcasts, please consider leaving a review with your favorite podcast aggregator. It helps people find us so that we can help them. If you would like to engage with me on social media with my chart of the day and other content, I'm on LinkedIn as myself and at Unblakeable on Facebook, Twitter, Clubhouse, and Instagram. Once again, this is Mike Blake, our sponsors, Brady Ware and Company, and this has been the Decision Vision Podcast. 